Ephesians chapter 5, as we continue this study through the book of Ephesians, um, I've kind of teased about, you know, that last week we talked about wives submitting to husbands, and so that this week we're going to beat up the husbands a little bit, but um, really when you look at what God has to say, and I hope you ladies found this out as we discussed what it means to for wives to submit to their husbands, that God doesn't really want to beat anyone up. He, what he calls us to do isn't something that's really hard for us or that's really onerous, but in reality, what God's trying to do is give us a better life. He wants to bless us, and when we understand what his word says and the way that he communicates it, it's always good news. That's why we call it the gospel. And so really, I hope these are some thoughts that'll help you and, and will bless you. We saw in the woman's section um, that wives need to submit to their husbands. After he said, submit yourselves one to another, um, he particularly said to the women, submit to your husbands. And that means line yourself up with him. Accept that your husband is a man. Accept the way that he is. And be willing to make adjustments in order to get along and fellowship with him. Well, now he turns his attention to the men, and he has a lot more to say to the men but not so much just because the man has all the work to do in a relationship, but because he's going to make a much greater point about Jesus and the church that's also going to help us to understand marriage. But, uh, you know, and, and if you're not married, there's still a whole lot here in this passage for you to understand. Um, and so let's see what he has to say. Starting with verse 25, he said, Husbands, love your wives. Now, that's kind of the bottom line of it. That's really what he's saying. Everything else is filling in what that means and why you do that and what the results of it can be. But the bottom line commandment to men is to love their wives. Just like the bottom line commandment for women was to submit to your husbands. Now, husbands are also sp supposed to submit to wives because it says to submit one to another. But but it seems that women in particular have a difficult time with making the adjustments that they need to make in order to get along with a man. And, and sometimes men have difficulty in really living out what love means. And so that's why he puts that emphasis there. But he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So the first thing that we see in the command for husbands to love their wives is this connection with the giving of Jesus Christ of himself for the church. Now, right away, as a guy, you start to feel like, oh, great. I mean, so, so that's all we have to do, just pretty much die, you know, <laughs> give ourselves completely. And, and uh, boy, I had a feeling it was going to come to that because it's killing me now. But... <laughs> But really, the gift of oneself, and sometimes, yeah, Jesus gave himself, and that meant that he was to die. Um, usually for us, we're not going to be called to die for our wife. But it's funny how there are a whole lot of men who would say, yeah, I'd die for my wife. You know, some you know, robber came you know, bursting in, yeah, I'll put my life on the line. But it's amazing Sometimes we'd be willing to die for our wives, but picking up our socks, you know, that's a little too much, you know. It's funny what we, you know, oh, I would give my life for you. 
Oh, well, on your way home, could you pick up some milk? Oh, man, what do I... You know, the Laker game is on, and I... Yeah. But this is a gift, and why did Jesus die? Let's think about that for a minute. Jesus gave his life so that he could have a relationship with us. He was willing to die so that we could be with him in fellowship and intimacy. And the reason we couldn't be with him in fellowship and intimacy was because of our sin. And so Jesus was willing to die in order for us to be forgiven. And so men, the first thing that we are confronted with here is the idea of how much is a relationship with your wife really worth to you? And how willing are you to forgive her? Because it might cost you something. It's probably not going to cost you your life. In fact, when you begin to learn this, it'll no doubt extend your life. But you know, they do say, I heard someone say that a study showed that men who are married live a lot longer than men who are single. They're more willing to die, but no. <laughs> But think about your relationship with your wife. How important is it to you that you be close to her? That how far are you willing to go to forgive her? Because that's what Jesus' gift was all about. It was about forgiveness, and it was about fellowship. And if right off the bat that doesn't matter to us, then marriage isn't going to really work for us. And there are a lot of people who, sad to say, just decide right off the bat it's not worth it. Oh, they're willing to stay married because, and they, they stay married as sort of an endurance exercise. You know, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, it's too expensive to get a divorce and I'm wishing she would divorce me and she's going, I'm wishing he would divorce me, but I'm not going to be the one to pull the trigger because that would be sin. Well, it's sin to have a crummy marriage. It's sin to make each other miserable. It, you don't get any award just because you lasted in misery longer than most people. That's not, that's not what God's looking for. Look, just hold your breath and hang in there. Eventually you'll die and it'll be fine. Or, you know, wait and stick together, you know, like the couple that on their 70th anniversary went to the lawyer and said, we want to get a divorce. He goes, you can't even been married for 70 years. Well, you want to get a divorce now? And they go, well, we've been miserable the whole time, but we just wanted to wait till the kids died. <laughs> but that's the way some people approach marriage. I, I'm not willing to adjust. I'm not willing to make changes that are necessary. And, and if both people in a marriage won't make adjustments... Marriage isn't going to work, and it's not going to be what it's supposed to be. And as we go on here and read in this chapter, we realize there's a lot more going on in marriage than just here's how to get two people together so that they'll reproduce and we can keep the population going. Marriage is all about a, a connection that speaks of the relationship that Jesus Christ has with the church. It's, a, it's an important responsibility, but first of all, and a lot of this lies with the man, what are you willing to do? 
If you claim you would die for your wife, would you give her a few minutes? Would you come home on time sometime? Would you just shut up and be nice to her and quit nagging her? Are you, are you willing to do that? It, it's ridiculous to say, oh, I gave myself for you. A long time ago, I gave up a lot. And half my assets belong to you because California is a community property state. <laughs> so there you go. You know, you can, like Don McClure says, I, when he got married, that he pledged his troth. He said, I didn't know what my troth was, but I, what, if I have one, it's yours. And that's kind of the, the level that we come into a relationship sometimes is the idea of, okay, yeah, we'll be married, but... The marriage isn't just about being married or even about staying married. Marriage is about what is this relationship about? And what Jesus did to be close to us, what he was willing to give in order to establish a relationship with us that's based on forgiveness, that's what, that's what marriage is. And so husbands are called right away to say, look at the example of Jesus Christ. Look at what he did. Look at what he gave. Look at the sacrifice that he made. He poured himself out. He was willing to leave the glories of heaven. And he, as, as it says in Philippians 2, he emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation, the King James says, but it, it's he, he, he gave up the independent use of his divine attributes, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence. He laid that aside, and he became a person, became a baby in a manger, and ultimately a servant, and finally died death on the cross. That was what he gave. Now, guys, you weren't God to begin with. You weren't that, all that, in the first place. So how much did you really have to give up in order to give yourself to another person? I mean... Let's face it, guys, most of us married up big time, you know? <laughs> if your wife had any idea what you were like before you got married, you'd still be single. But all the single people here are the only honest people in the building. But he gave himself, and he's going, so husbands, that's where it starts. What's it worth to you? Are you willing to forgive in order to have a relationship? Are you willing to adjust some things in your life in order to make it work with your spouse? But now he goes on and says, in order that he might sanctify or set apart and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So he says the point when, when Jesus died for the church, when he said, I'm giving myself for you believers, he wasn't just doing it to give himself, he was doing it in order to change us, in order to fix us. The truth is, there's much that's wrong with us. And men, there is much that's wrong with your wives. Women, don't listen for a second. Men, <laughs> wives are all nuts because they're women. Okay, now women, you can listen again. Um, no, but they are. They're crazy because what defines crazy, what defines normal is me. I'm a guy. What I am, that's normal. Anything that... 
operates in a different way, then that seems crazy. And, and so that's it. Well, men, if God has given you a wife and you've managed to stay with her this long, God gave her to you so that you could help her. God gave her to you so, frankly, that you could fix her. <laughs> that, that she could be cleansed, that she could be set apart, that she would get better over time, that she would become glorious and more beautiful and have so much more. Basically, God gave you a wife and said, your opportunity is you're going to turn her into somebody who improves with age, someone who gets better over time. And that's not just by paying the surgeon. There's more to it than that. It's... The idea is, and the example that he gives, the washing of the water of the word. Now, men, if you don't like what your wife has become over the years, congratulations, you did that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you did. Your job, husbands, is to put a smile on her face, is to make her happy, is to cause her to, as she matures, to really take on a, a, a peacefulness and a beauty and a, and a glory and a wonder. And, and she will be what you will make her. And if she's getting worse, that's the effect you're having on her. Something's wrong. There's, God gives us to each other so that we can have this effect. You could flip that around too. Women, if you don't like what your husband's becoming, congratulations. But... See, he says, what does Christ do to the church? He finds us, and we're kind of a mess, and he works on us, and ultimately we're going to look like Jesus. And that's what Jesus does to the church. Now, so you go, I had a feeling this was a fixer-upper project. Yeah, okay. But how does he fix the church? Don't be offended when I'm saying, yeah, the job of a husband is to make his wife the best person that she can possibly be. That is in your hands. That is within your capabilities. But how does Christ do that for the church? How does he bring about this cleansing? Well, one thing he mentions, the washing of the water of the word. The word of God has the ability to change our lives. Now, guys... That doesn't mean taking the Bible and slamming your wife over the head with it. That doesn't mean reminding her of every time she fails. That doesn't mean criticizing her every chance you get. Does, does Jesus do that to us? Does he beat us up and condemn us? He doesn't condemn us at all. And that sin that you committed yesterday, he doesn't even remember it anymore. Now you go, great. How am I going to fix this woman if I can't remind her of how messed up she is. Well, welcome to Jesus' world. That's what he does, and he does it very well. And he does it in a way that seems backwards because he just gives us unconditional love and forgiveness. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. What, what he does for us is, you know, it's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance and, and he sees us, and we mess up. And he doesn't say, I need to punish you for that. He says, I need to be even better for you. I need to love you even more. You need to understand my love more than, more than you have at this point. 
husbands, to have that kind of an influence on your wives, you need to love the way he does. Now, that also means encouraging her in the word because the word of God can correct her in a way that you can't. But that doesn't mean that you shove her face into it and you start sharing scripture with her. It doesn't mean you get your wife's Bible and you underline the verses you think she needs to read. And, and most of the time, it doesn't even mean that you're preaching to your wife. See, I can, I can share something with my wife from Scripture, but it still sounds like it's coming from me. But what's great is when she is studying the Bible on her own and then God convicts her, she'll come and go, wow, look what God told me. I'm like, I've told you that 50 times. Right? But <laughs> it's like your kids. They don't want to hear it from you. They think... You know, the teacher's a genius when they say something that you've said all along. But we have to turn our wives loose and encourage them and reinforce that, but we can't force them to it. We can't cram their nose in it. God doesn't do that to us. When I'm driving down the street, and, you know, some cars, like my wife's car has this little adjustment on the speedometer that whenever you get past a certain speed. I forget what it is, but all I know is I get past it really quick in her car. But you know, it's this beep, like warning you. That's not the way God is, and that's not the way we are to be with our spouses, to be this warning light, to be this bitter, angry you know, thing that I'm going to make you so miserable. It, that's not what it's about, because that's not how God deals with us. But if you are doing what you're supposed to do, husbands, you're going to see your wife getting better. Now, I would encourage all of you men to encourage your wives, if they're interested, to go to the women's study and things like that. Believe me, women can say things to other women that we would never get away with. And it'll be what they need to hear. And so we have a summer study. Boy, I hope all the women do, because the Word of God does have a way of fixing us. The Word of God has a way of convicting us. Men, that's why your wives encourage you to go to the men's study, because they're tired of telling you what's wrong with you. They're hoping somebody else will do it for a while. But that washing of the word, that gentle cleansing, that edifying and building up, that blessing of another, Jesus, what he's doing to us in molding and shaping us in, in the image of Christ is a perfect picture of what we are to do for each other. And husband, if, you, if you're looking at your wife and you're going, she really does get more beautiful by the year. I see qualities in her that are just amazing to me. I'm, I'm more in love with her than ever. Then congratulations, you're probably having a part in that. It's working. But, you know, if your wife is angry and bitter and rebellious and all that kind of stuff, hey, don't come and complain to me about it. Look in the mirror. Because when you're living with someone, you will do that. Too. You'll have an effect one way or the other. Either you will help them become better by the way that you love them or you'll make them bitter and miserable by the way that you treat them. And our God has given us a perfect example as to how we are to treat each other. And husbands... Your job is to make your wife the best that she can possibly be. And to do that without being coercive, without being manipulative, without being judgmental or condemning, because that's not how Jesus does it. Now, 
And as we read on it, I'm going to have to go quick. I don't know if something's wrong with that clock. It's way too fast. (laughs) Look at what he says next in verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he says, Jesus gave himself. What are you willing to give to have a relationship? What price are you willing to pay? And then secondly, your task is to bring out in your partner the best qualities that they have to turn and transform that woman, guys, into the most beautiful version of who she could ever be. And, and that's your job. But now, he says, but love her the way you love yourself. You take care of yourself. You do things, for, you're always thinking of you. Hey, think of her. Now, you might go, oh, I'm not really taking care of myself that well. Well, You are. You're doing what you think you need. Now, somebody who is all obsessed with exercising, for instance, might be taking care of themselves that way. It's definitely a good thing to do. But somebody who's just constantly shoving cake in their face is also somebody who's taking care of themselves. It's like, this just makes me feel better, all right? I'm going to do what I want to do. It's There isn't anyone who isn't obsessed with what they feel, what they want. Now he says he's connecting that with your love for your wife. And he's saying, in the same way that you're aware of what you want, and you're always trying to find some way to get what you want, in the same way, um, how about treat your wife that way? Think of her. But it just gets deeper. And this is, he says it's a mystery. This is something that, when you start to think about it very deeply, it's just a mind blower. Because he says, that's what Christ does for the church. He gave himself, but the church is his body. And in actuality, when, when Jesus Christ gave himself for us, he was doing it for him too. Now, I know that seems almost heretical, but it's biblical Because he is transforming us and presenting us to himself. He's he's doing that work in the church, and the church is his body, is connected to him. And he goes, when you marry someone, the two become one flesh. As he says, you, you you marry somebody, and you leave your father and mother, and you cleave, and you're now one flesh. You're connected. What he's saying is in the same way that we are connected to Jesus Christ, your wife, husbands, is connected to you. And if you hurt her, you're hurting yourself. The old expression, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. It's true, but it's true if daddy ain't happy also. See, you're connected. And, you know, if my foot starts to hurt... I don't just pound on my foot because I'm mad at it because it hurts me. We're connected. And 
understanding this, men, your future happiness is tied in with whether or not you're able to figure out how to make your wife happy. Because she certainly will be very good at making you miserable if you can't get this together. You're connected. You're one. That's what it means. And he goes, this is a mystery. But when Jesus gave himself, and when he cleans us and ministers to us and ultimately presents us faultless before the throne, we are his bride. We're his. We're connected to him. And if we can't figure this out on a personal level, that we are connected, oh, you can get unconnected by ripping that apart and doing untold damage, but you've got to realize, and men have to realize this because they're the ones that have the hardest time with this, the best thing you can do is to help your wife to become the best she can possibly be, to bring out all of her best qualities, to give yourself to her, to submit your life to hers, realizing your future is tied in with her. Your happiness is tied up in that person that you're married to, that person that you've committed the rest of your life to, in the same way that the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, you know, it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. He emptied himself, therefore, Paul says in Philippians 2, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When Jesus saves us and fixes us and cleans us and presents us, we win and Jesus wins too. And in the same way, so in a sense, there's nothing wrong with this. Jesus is fixing us for him. That's what it says. And in the same way, husbands, if you can find a way to please your wife, if you can find a way to make her happy, if you can find a way to see her grow in the Lord and, and to be fulfilled and secure in your relationship, the closer you get to your wife, the more you win. The more you push her away, the more you alienate her, you lose too. It, it, it's, it's either a win-win or a lose-lose. Unless I guess you dump her and then she wins and you lose. But <laughs> <laughs> that connection is important. And it's mysterious, but it's something that if we don't understand it, then we don't understand a thing about marriage. And, so, and then he, he, he closes off the, the section with that last verse. He says, nevertheless, bottom line, let each one of you in particular so in that way love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Women, respect your husband. If you don't treat your husband with respect, he's not going to feel adequate or capable or feel like he has permission to put input into your life and to, to try to bless you. So women... We don't deserve respect, but respect us anyway. We need it. And husbands, love your wives, knowing that they are connected to you. You're doing the best favor for yourself if you treat your wife in a way that brings out the best in her. And that's God's plan for marriage, and 
And that's really what he's sharing with us here. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth and its relevance in our lives. God, you're so good. You had a great idea, and we botch it up so much. But Lord, please help us to learn this. Help us to figure this out. Help us to bring glory to you by sharing glory with each other. Help us as husbands to treat our wives in such a way that they can appreciate life and who they are before you, that they can appreciate the relationships that we have, that, Lord, we would truly give of ourselves to each other to bring out the best in each other. Lord, you showed us, and you show us every day perfectly. The way you treat us, you're showing us how to be husbands and how to be wives. So, God, help us to wise up Help us to realize that when, when our relationship is hurting, we're doing something wrong. Help us to be willing to make those adjustments in order to begin on the pathway of growth. Lord, I know we're not going to have a perfect marriage overnight, but we want to take steps in that direction that over the years we will see the beauty of relationship truly developing in our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.